Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome everybody to the Celtic Way podcast. We are right in the middle of a five-part series. I guess we can't really be in the middle. We're past the middle, Scott, but we are past the middle of a five-part series called Praying with the Season. So if you've missed any of it, make sure you go back and listen to the first three episodes. But this week on this episode, we are talking about something that should bring everybody a great amount of joy because the season we are going to focus on today is summer. Yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's here, right out it our is. window. Yeah. This is such a great time of year, I think, for almost everybody. The energy of this time of year is intense. And like the Celtic calendar I showed you earlier, it should be. This is the beginning of the light half of the year, and it is the end of the dark half. And so people are in the ancient Celtic world, I think a lot like us, they're coming out of their homes, you know, and you were just talking about how you got to see your parents and people are reconnecting with family, with friends. It's no secret to me why this is a vacationing time of year, a time of movement and to be being outside. And yeah, don't you just love summer? Summer is fabulous. And for those of us who live in climates where winter can be a little harsh, summer is even better. And then on top of that, we're just coming off of this pandemic that we all went through for 18 to 24 months. And so it certainly feels like our normal summer where everybody gets excited times about two or three, because you can just tell how excited and energetic the world seems to be right now, at least in the, the culture of where I'm surrounded by. And yeah, I was, it was the 4th of July last week and I went to visit my parents and it was just so fun to go to the parade and see all of this excitement and the kids out there and the candy and the tractors and the whole nine yards. You don't realize how much you miss it until right. you finally see it again. We are social creatures, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Chris and I talk about, like, we wake up in the morning and we start asking each other, well, what time today are we going to go for a bike ride? You know, I like, how that. can we work this into our work schedule? Or as soon as work's over, if it's not raining, we had a weird rainy season in Colorado, but if it's not raining, we hit the trail, we're gone. You know, there's like something about the outdoors is literally calling us out of the house right now. Right. You know? When I'm working, I often feel in the summertime when I have to work, I often feel like that little kid that's in grade school and he's at school, but he's staring out the window wanting nothing more than to be outside. That's, yeah. that's how I feel all summer long when I'm working. <laughs> yeah. One of the important things I want to get at is paying attention to what's going on inside of us, pay attention to our natural instincts, our deep intuitions to literally get outdoors. Boy, do my grandkids who are just hooked on all these video games and stuff, you know, I'm like saying, no, 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 shut this stuff off. Let's go. They're like, oh, grandpa. Back in the day, you could rent. I don't know if you still can, but when there was video stores, they used to let you rent video game machines from the stores. Oh, so yeah. my, my parents let me do that one weekend 
weekend and I got so grouchy that they told me that I'm never allowed to play video games or have video games in the house. And they stuck to it. I never did from that point forward. I never really? had a video game in my house. Nope. And I'm so thankful for it now because the last thing I want to do is sit in front of a screen these days. No. Yeah, no way. Well, that's what's happening in the ancient Celtic world too. People are coming out at the end of April, around May 1st, and the Druids who are like the leaders, the religious leaders, the judges, the political leaders, they light a fire on the top of a hill, big old fire, and a representative or two ride horses up to the top of this hill. They light their torches and they take the fires back to the villages. And it marks this like big celebration that goes on for days. It's the season of Beltane, but it is definitely the beginning. I mean, they're feeling what we're feeling, right? Let's get outdoors. And they light these fires. And I just want to go over a couple of things that they used to do, because I, I think you'll see where the Christian church gets a lot of her themes from and everything. So they light these fires. And we're going to talk about Pentecost, because fire is such a symbol for that season as well, right? But they light these two big fires. Picture the entire village now is gathered. Children adults, young adults, and they light them in the morning, and they're blazing. I mean, these are huge fires. And as the fires are burning throughout the day, people are setting up, you know, getting ready. They're cooking food. They're going to be feasting for days and drinking and dancing and singing and just reveling and have sporting events and everything. And as the fires burn down for the first day, they begin to pass the cattle the cows and the sheep and the goats and all the horses, they pass through in between these two fires. And as they're doing that, people are blessing them. Prayers are being said because this is a time of purification. That's what the fire symbolizes for them. It's a purifying. And it's also protection. It's to protect the animals from disease and sickness, right? Because once they pass through this ritual of passing through the fire, the next day, some of the young men or some of the older boys are going to take the herds up into the summer pastures where they'll be for the whole summer. But it's not just for the animals. As the day goes on and the fires burn down and they get lower and lower, Couples who have been together, say they've been, we would say it's been dating, they would say it's been coupling, because they got to see each other finally in springtime, you know, and well, now it's Beltane. So the couples will kind of stand before the Druid and they will make a commitment of this next year. They're going to spend the next year as a couple together. And what they do is they hold hands and maybe they'll tie a vine with the flowers around it. They'll hold hands and they'll literally jump over the fire. So this is their purification. This is their protection. But it's more than that. This is a symbol that this is their passion that is being ignited, right? And it's very important because now all these couples are going to go jump over the fire and they run into the woods and they'll be there for a few hours, I would imagine. And they're making love. And it's important for the village because procreation is necessary for the village to go on. 
So they'll come back a few hours later, and then everybody sings songs, welcoming them back, and they'll be coupling together for a year. A year from this Beltane, they will have the decision to make to stand before the Druid and say, now, after a year, we want to be married. And they may already have a child by then, right? And some couples will find out, yes, they want to stay married. They want to be together. Other couples will not. And this is part of the ceremony, too, where, okay, you're not going to couple, but you've already had a child together. Well, then there are elder women and men in the village who will, at least in part, take the raising of this child as part of their own duty to the village. And the mother will too. And I'm sure the father will have some kind of relationship there. But it's just this whole thing about fire and passion and purification and protection is not just for the individual animals or the couples. It's for the entire village. This is all done in the context of what's good for everybody. And so, the blessing of the fire is also this symbol of divine impregnation. It's fertility, right? It's just the blessing that here we've received all the bounty that's come from the spring harvest, and they're harvesting all this stuff, and now we need to have this happen with the animals and with the members of the villages as well. The thing I love about that is when you share it, again, it just shows maybe how our Western culture tends to fail a little bit because there's so many things that we treat so individualistic, including coming together as couples or getting married, where that concept of the entire village having a part to play in it is is really interesting and almost foreign to people like us who've grown up in the West. It's just a fascinating concept and it's so different than what we're used to. And you wonder if we didn't have more of that concept in our culture, if our relationships and marriages maybe wouldn't have a higher success rate because of the the gathering of the community around it. Right. Yeah. God forbid the church or somebody would sanction people living together and trying out their relationship for a year before they made a commitment, right? Yeah, we can't do that. That crosses too many lines, Scott. (laughs) Watch out with your heresy today. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, because what we feel in our bodies about going outside is really something very primal, very natural. I'm going to even say it's very God-given, you know. I won't belabor this, but the poor church has had such a bad history about our own relationship with our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And here, we can see that it's just a part of religious life, social life, political life, and just life itself. You know, these passions to want to couple and to be together and to make love, you know, is just the great part of life for youth and young people. And I think I really appreciate what I've learned from these people. It's just it's so good. It's so healthy. Summer crops are planted and uh, and then Men and women, ritually, who are preparing for war, those who see themselves and have the gifts for archery and swordsmanship and throwing axes and battle, they'll also march through the fire for purification and for protection, and they will begin training again for war if it's necessary. So that is part of their religious and their social and their political life as well. I have to 
tell you that this is the part of the whole Celtic spirit I'm still struggling with. I tend to be a pacifist, and I'm still trying to figure all this out, and I won't go down that path now, but I think we'll have a podcast about that coming up. I think Uh, we should, because that is one of those things. The contradiction seems to be these nature-loving, in general, peaceful people, but then there's definitely this history of of war that's there that most of us who lean into the Celtic tradition struggle with. I know I do as well, would consider myself quite a pacifist. So that's the way the ancient Celts look Mm -hmm. at summer. And this whole series is about praying with the seasons. And you've taught us how to pray with winter and with spring. And so now what should be emphasized as we think about praying with the season of summer? Nature is teaching us about a cycle that doesn't end in our lives, right? And so we find ourselves going through these seasons in our lives over and over again because we haven't arrived, but we are becoming. Praying with the season of summer is definitely about the emphasis of the Holy Spirit We take that biblically from the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 2, where the Spirit descends in these tongues of fire upon the disciples, and it's the beginning of their reception or perhaps of their awareness of receiving the fullness of the Spirit of Christ. And the fire represents the transformative, the purification, the protection that's given to these disciples. We should tie this in to the Celtic couples who jumped over the fire. The fire given at Pentecost is also an impregnation. And you can see this because now, mysteriously, powerfully, wonderfully, the disciples are beginning to speak to these people who have come from all over the world, right? And all these people speak different languages. However, the disciples have been empowered to communicate to all these people from all over the world. And I can't remember how many people it says, but thousands have come to believe. So the disciples were impregnated with the Spirit. They're now passing on this recreation in a way that is way beyond their natural human capacity to communicate the life and the message of Jesus. When it comes time to praying with this, I think this is where the gift of a soul friend really comes into play, because it's tricky business following what's going on inside of us. You said this thing, I'm working, but I can feel the call. I want to go outside all the time. And there is something wonderfully disruptive about this time of year, something that's pulling us in a direction that we don't even normally allow ourselves to be pulled in. And having somebody who is walking with us can really serve as an identifier of the gifts that we have and the transformation that's going on in our life. It's really important to have a dialogical partner during this time so that we can feel free to follow the intensity of summer and not be afraid of it. You know, we are afraid in the West of some of our passions and some of our dreams and some of our desires, you know, and it's like, ooh, this stuff is dangerous. Well, yeah, it comes to us biblically in the form of fire, and fire changes 
everything it touches. There is a little danger, a little holy danger and excitement around this time of year, and there should be. That's the amazing thing about fire is it's equal parts destructive and also has this ability to refine better than anything else. And I think that's the tension that we live in with our passions, because every passion that we have can have an equal part good side and equal part evil side. And as you talked about that soul friend too, that reminds me, we did an episode, you did an episode on Autumn Kara which mm-hmm. talks about the soul friend. So if anybody wants to dig into that a little bit more, just head back to that episode and learn a little bit more about what Scott's talking about when he mentions soul friend as well. This quarter of the year, right? So we're talking May, June, and July. There are some great, uh, if you follow the liturgical calendar, there's just wonderful things that happen this time of year. If you're Catholic or Orthodox, uh, May is a month that is devoted to the Virgin Mary who has embodied, right, what it means to be a person full of the Spirit. From the time before Jesus is born, the angel comes to her and gives her this life-altering message as this teenage woman, this teenage girl listens, and her response will echo down the corridors of time. Just wisdom beyond her years says, let it be done to me according to your will. This is the answer, the great answer for all Christians when confronted with a message from God. It's just a paradigm for all of us to step into. She is somebody that is really a great example of what it means to follow. And she follows all the way to the cross. Tough moment. Tough, tough moment. And then she's blessed with the scene of the resurrection, and there she is, quietly, faithfully there on that day of Pentecost again. And so she's such a a great paradigm for us to delve into. And I know a lot of Protestant people are like, oh, this whole thing with Mary is freaky. But dig into the text in the scriptures. Look at her. Let her speak. She is full of the Spirit, and she is strong. Then on May 16th, there's Brendan the Navigator. If you've never read The Voyage of Brendan, get a modern translation and read it, and you'll be introduced to what it means to interpret Celtic literature metaphorically. This is definitely not a literal story, but it is so rich in symbol and metaphor. And then one of the great Celtic saints, Columbus Days on June 9th, Columba was exiled from his beloved country of Ireland, and that's why he went to Scotland. And uh, his life story is worth the read, and we'll find a lot of things there. I think that every season, as we pray with every season, each quarter of the year has saints that we should spend some time with. Doesn't take a lot of time to read these, but there's such rich material there, especially if you have somebody to read it with and discuss it with. That is wonderful. I love that idea of thinking more about the saints and honoring those who have gone before us and have have kind of paved that path for us. So let's get a little bit practical here as we start to wrap this up, Scott, because in the last two seasons, you mentioned some very practical things that we can think about and things we can do in order to pray with those seasons. So now here we are in summer. What are some things that we can be doing with our minds, with our bodies to, to come alongside our prayer life in the season of summer? Great. 
Jane Bernard, who is a spiritual director and a teacher here in the Denver area, has written a book about praying with our bodies. It's so important to learn how to do that because, again, I think we have this rub against our bodies. You know, and I, I don't come from a church where people are moving and dancing in the in the service, you know, but learning how to pray, whether it's on bended knee or standing up with eyes closed and our arms lifted up in the air, I think it is like getting in touch with this thing intuitively about really getting in touch with the energy and expressing it physically. So sometimes Chris and I will go for, now we walk together and hold hands and we'll have a conversational prayer as we're walking. And that's praying with our bodies. When I do my bike ride by myself and I'm going through the forest and cutting down these paths and I look at the expression of nature that is all around, then it maybe it's time to stop, get off my bike, go for a walk through the forest. It's beautiful out. Look at the diversity. Look at the fecundity. Look at the variety of life that's expressing there. Throughout the summer season, we have to pause and we have to really come to recognition about all those things that I cleared out in winter, the seeds that I planted during spring. What is really coming to fullness now. Don't be scared of our dreams. Embrace them. If they scare us a little bit, that's okay. They should be. But we have to engage the part of our spiritual journey that says there is power here for us. We are called to share the life and the message of Jesus in ways that are genuine, authentic, action-oriented, caring, loving. Food banks, our streets are filled with homeless people. I mean, it's really a time to get in touch with what can I do? What am I called to do? And let's do that. The voice of summer is calling us to a spirit of adventure. Moving out reaching out, going outside of our normal routines, and really expressing, being open to expressing our Christian spirit in different ways. Get a group of people and pray and sing in a park. Share Eucharist together. Be community. You mentioned this, Matt. We've been locked down, winterized, and boy, people are out and being with each other. Learn how to express your spirituality in small groups of people and do it outside. Clean up a park. Pick up litter. Put it in a bag. Recycle it. Pray. Sing. Even dance. The maypole, which is a big thing for the whole Beltane thing, is very symbolic. You start out, everybody's dancing around the pole until everybody comes close together. That's the season of winter. Short draw. Pulled in. Then people begin to dance in the opposite direction. The light half of the year is starting. The ropes stretch out. And now everybody is out, full together, dancing in a big circle and singing. That spirit in our creativity 
can be captured today and we can express exactly what that means. In closing, I'll tell you a story that we did years ago. We got permission from the city to close down the street in our neighborhood. We drug out all our picnic tables and set them up on the center of the street and everybody brought food. And then we went around the neighborhood and invited everybody to come. Well, everybody did come. And it was really amazing because we did speak in other tongues. Here we lived on the same block, but we didn't know each other. And it was this weird thing. And people brought food and they began to introduce themselves to each other. They shared stories. We found things in common. It knitted the neighborhood together. In a time where our society is deeply divided, we need to follow the spirit of Pentecost, of adventure. Let's do something radical to express the love and the care Jesus has for all people. And it can start as something as simply as being creative, like how do we reach our neighbors? Food, <laughs> drink, laughter, being together, welcoming. It's not that hard. Summer is its own gift. It's calling us to pray in an adventuresome spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celtic Way podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this show, give a five-star rating, and write a review. Also, become a sustainable donor by going to CelticWay.org. Finally, be sure to like us on Facebook at Celtic Way.